Hi, this is David Asola, and you're listening to Whatever Nevermind. Whatever, never mind. I am your host, Baco. Today I have part two of my interview with David DeSola. David was the author of the Alice in Chains book, Alice in Chains, The Untold Story. If you remember way back earlier on this countdown, at number 14 was the Alice in Chains record Facelift, and it's kind of a companion to that was part one of my interview with David. We talked mainly about the time around the making of Facelift. Well, we just got into dirt here at number six on the list, and of course, today is part two. And we get into the time around the making of Dirt. If you liked part one, I guarantee you are going to love part two. This is a must listen for Allison Chains fans. David and I get into all sorts of stories and anecdotes about the time leading up to the making of the record, the making of the record, and shortly after, uh, stories that we culled from his book. So and a lot of lot of fun stuff to, to get into. Some not so fun stuff, but you get my drift. And remember, you can find David's book, Allison Chains, The Untold Story, pretty much anywhere books are sold. So, but let's get right to it. Here you go, part two of my interview with author David DeSola. Let's get back to the band a little bit. There, so uh, Lane actually enters rehab a little bit, uh, either at the beginning or just before they go in to record Dirt, um, and that for his first time there. Um, but Lane, uh, uh, basically, uh, he's the guy who gets uh, Mike Starr going on a little bit of heroin here, if if everything is correct. Correct, correct. Yeah. So let, let, let me back, let me back up. So yeah. Um, so the, the Van Halen tour starts in, I believe it's August of 91, right? And that tour goes, they're off and on that tour for the next couple of months, like into the beginning of 92, right? And, you know, at some point over there, uh, Lynn goes to rehab for the first time. Um, and it's this, I can't remember the name of it. It's in the book, but it's the same clinic that Andrew Wood checked himself into a couple of months before he died. Okay. Um, so it's, it's the, same, it's the same one, yeah. And um, the, the one or more. They don't have a great track really, record at that point, then. <laughs> well, Boo, the, I know. That's a bad the, joke. The, I said I was going to throw a couple the, at you. One of, well, one of the, you know, one of the really heart, one of the more heartbreaking stories I heard from 
my research was was one of, one of the main sources was Kathleen Austin, Bendy's mother. So she went to visit him in at this treatment center, and uh, you know what you know what happened, and uh, apparently um, the the other patients had figured out who Wayne was, and even though he wasn't, you know. He wasn't, you know, a Kardashian or anything like that. He was, you know, he was the local celebrity. Thank God. And so somebody, somebody smuggled in a copy of the live Facebook VHS cassette, and they were playing it in the rec room, knowing full well that he was a patient there. Wow. And, uh, yeah. It That'd just, be kind of weird. It was devastating. And it was just devastating. I mean, just, you know, it was awful. And so by the time he goes, they go to California, to make dirt in the spring of 92. Remember, he's already been to rehab at least one um, <laughs> that I know of. I mean, he went maybe about a dozen or so times overall in total in the course of his life, but he'd already been to rehab at least once. And he came back with some lyrics and some music that, that he had written while in rehab. They were, Jim called them his rehab songs, and that's some stuff he bought to the plate when he came into the studio. Um, and so... As far as Mike Starr goes, the story I heard was, so remember what I told you about how Mike Starr wanted more publishing? Yeah. So he had came up with this song called, um, called Fear the Voices, which uh, he and Wayne wanted to record, and the other two guys weren't that crazy about. And he was pushing for it to be included on the record so he could get another publishing credit, right? And yeah. so they recorded it, but it didn't make the cut. And if you listen to the song, it's 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 different than anything else on that album. It just it yeah. would have been totally out of place, right? But anyway, um, so they're recording this. So they're recording this they, song. What, what did they call it? They called it Mike's Dead Mouse. <laughs> yeah, they call it Mike. Yeah, that's so kind of mean. Joke, yeah, like Mike's dark, bringing his yeah, mouse, dropping it in front of you. Or something like that, 
And, um, you know, and Mike called him and said, hey, man, can you come back to the studio and record these parts or whatever, blah, 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 blah. Like, I want you to and he's like, fuck you, and fuck you. And, you know, whatever. He just yeah. slammed the phone on him. Yeah, man, I, 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 it's in the book. I'm trying to remember. I can't remember. Yeah, something like that. It's like, fuck you and fuck your but song. Joke, Basically, Lane yeah, was like, I'm the only guy whatever. helping you with this, and now you're yeah. you're nitpicking my lead vocals on it? Yeah. yeah. That was so, kind of the tenor. Not, not, and uh, and that, that may have been a contributing factor in the decision to fire. Who knows if it's true. Yeah. Or I don't know if it's true or not. You know, I've been in bands, and I've worked with people and I just got the vibe based on all the stories that were being told that Jerry never liked Mike. And and then once um, they got big enough and rich enough, it just became like he was like this pain in the ass that Jerry kind of got sick of dealing with. And once there was a legitimate reason to kind of move on from him, he was ready to do it. Not saying I'm I right. Know, I don't know. I don't know. That, I, don't think, I think never liked might be overstating it. Okay. Um, I do think like... I do think that, you know, at a certain point, you know, Mike became more trouble than he was worse. So okay. that's probably why they decided to get that they decided to get rid of him. Um, I think that would be a fair assessment. However, Well, but Lane was a lot of trouble, hour, but I, I think Jerry and Lane connected yeah, a little more. Yeah, but he was the sound of the band. <laughs> he was the lead singer, I suppose, you know? yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know, but, you know, Mike's kind of a good-looking work. guy, too. Maybe he's getting more chicks and Jerry's yeah. all jealous. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I mean that's that's what that's what Mike. Yeah, Mike said. You know, you know, Mike said. You know, J, you know, Jerry needed me on the other band or whatever. Um, I don't know. It's it's one of those. You know, he told so many different versions of why he, he that he got quit or that he got fired. Or, you know, whatever. But why he left the band? You know, Jerry was jealous that he was getting more women and you know yada yada yada. And I don't know. I mean, if you look at those early days of Allison James when Jerry moves up from Tacoma. You know, they're brief. He meets Mike in that band. Um, they're in a local band about, called Gypsy Rose for about, you know, two or three weeks, right? And so, and they were in that band for like three weeks. I don't know. Fast forward a couple of months later when he's at the music bank and he decides to put a band together, right? And he gets Sean Kitty's member from Wings Daily. And so they're talking and he's like, you know, you know baseball, you want to play baseball? He's like, well, you know, I knew this guy, Mike Starr, he's pretty cool, whatever. And then Sean, who was dating Melinda Starr at that point, he would, would, didn't, was there with them when they first met. That's right. He was like, he was like well, yeah, I know Mike since I was 12, and this is his sister, <laughs> you know? So <laughs> it was like Jerry Jerry specifically asked for Mike Starr, you know, or specifically All mentioned right, Mike enough. Starr. So I don't think, I don't think uh, he never liked Mike mentality was ever there. I mean, remember, they all lived together in a house. They starred together. They played the clubs together. They did all this stuff together. Um, so, I mean, I, I, like I said, I think the, 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 the fairest explanation of it would be that Mike became more trouble than he was worth. And uh, they just they ultimately decided that it was the best thing for the band for them to get rid of him. Now you convinced me I'm wrong then. One thing about Lane, and you can talk about lyrically, but in interviews too, is that he doesn't really – He's not the typical addict. Like, there's not a whole lot of denial. It's almost like he skipped that stage and went straight to, yeah, I. he's, like, full-blown. And a lot of these Seattle guys, it just seemed like they, they were naturally open, like, especially in the song lyrics about, well, like, what they were doing, yeah. why it was bad for them, and, and yet they couldn't seem to 
make any real effort or any real progress in getting out of their own way. Well, two things. One, you know, Wayne was not, you know, a poet laureate, right? He's not going to be TFL yet. He's like, he's going to write what he knows. Right. And, you know, so uh, he knew addicts and withdrawal and <laughs> getting high and all. But he yeah, had a beautiful things. way so, of, of, of yeah, de- yeah. describing dark shit. Yes. Yeah. And, 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 and conveying it vocally, right? You know, singing how he sang it, right? So Very much. It was, that, that was, that, yeah. Um, so keep that in mind, number one. Number two, is all these guys are in a profession where it is, to some degree, socially acceptable to be an addict. <laughs> Remember, I mean, God only knows how many people went through the 70s, you know, fucked out of their minds on cocaine or heroin or God knows what, you know what I mean? Um, so it's, it's one of those things where you just sort of, you know, it's, it's a quirk. It's a, it's a, it's a side effect. It's a bug that you learn how to deal, you learn to deal with. If they keep picking records and nobody keeps rolling in, I mean, they'll tolerate pretty much anything. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, if he's been, if Wayne had been, if my now, if Wayne had been a lawyer or a doctor or an accountant, you know, not so much. What about this makeshift little vocal booth that Lane had with a a, a dead dog or something in it? I can't remember. Yeah, dead puppy, a puppy, like a, like a puppy here. This is dead, actually yeah. a puppy in, yeah. a, in a in like a glass and formaldehyde, not uh, like yeah, like from one of those yeah, odd, not actual dogs. It's, like it's like a puppy fetus. Yeah, I think it was a puppy fetus. Yeah, if I remember correctly. Yeah, it's like the Last Supper scented candle, the puppy in the jar, and I can't remember what else. And that that's sort of a. He sets up this makeshift booth so they can't see him from the outside while he's singing, right? And so, you know, inside, I guess, to get him the headspace that he needed, that's the thing that he created. <laughs> and, uh, I Again, I don't know what he was thinking, but I mean, the, the studio staff and Jordan all confirmed it. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, speaking of Jordan, he had a bit of a come-to-Jesus moment with Lane, uh, during the recording, and while it upset Lane at the time, and they had a, a, a sort of reckoning shortly after, but it seemed to help. Like, Lane apparently was coming in, as much as Lane was a great singer, he was coming in unprepared, maybe a little too hungover or fucked up, uh, something like that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, because remember, remember Lane multi-tracked his vocals, right? So it's like he like doing like three, four-part harmonies, whatever. Right. And that requires a great deal of, of concentration and precision, and you know, he was fucked up and he just wasn't hitting it, you know? Whereas, now, one thing you have to remember also is that Jordan, Jordan did the first two records, right? He did Facebook and Burn. No heroin during Facebook. Everyone involved with that record, I spoke to said it, said it. There's nothing there. Um, they came to work. They bought their A-game every day, you know? And Alice, by the time we got to the studio, one account that is fairly consistent with all of them across the board was that when they came ready to work and they had their parts down, I mean, they were just very efficient. One or two takes, that was it, you know. So for Lane to come in to the studio and just start blowing takes, you know, Jordan's like, what the hell is going on here? You know what I mean? And so that's where they have this, they have a sort of blow up when Lane out of the studio. And then, you know, they have a, a phone call. So Susan calls Jordan, Jordan calls him, Jordan calls Lane to sort of pass things up and like, look, I'm not trying to judge you. I just wanted to make the best record possible, and I want you to nail these takes. That's it. And so that's sort of, it was after they had that talk that, you know, Lane came ready to work, and we started getting takes. 
And correct me if I'm wrong. There is, I don't think, I don't recall reading a reference. I read the book when it came out and I just kind of went back and reread kind of this little chunk getting ready for this. I don't remember you talking about Jerry using heroin. There's a reason I'm asking it. Am I right in that or do I just misremember that? Um, I, I, I have some people who were, I've heard, I've, I've, I'd rather not get into that. I couldn't prove it conclusively that he did. Oh, he's sure. Um, yeah. So, uh, I mean, I, I've never heard of that. So my memory is right, that there's not, nothing in the book that way. No, I mean, no, I mean, Jerry had his, Jerry had his own <laughs> drug issues, but, but to my knowledge, it wasn't heroin. Um, I don't know if he ever tried it, um, but it, I mean, I'm assuming it's theoretically possible, but I don't know that he ever tried I never found a quote from anybody saying, you know, Yes, Jerry. Jerry was, you know, buying or even shooting up his own. I never found anything like that at all. Um, I've heard, I, you know, again, I heard rumors or you know gossip that he did, but again, I couldn't prove it, so I just left it out. Okay. So I, 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 I could answer that question. I can't answer that question one way or the other. The, the the reason I ask is because his his solo album Degradation Trip is uh is one of the records on this list and we already went through it and that is some of the um I mean to me that's almost a sequel to Dirt and it's actually darker at, at points and to and so, he is, he is full blown down his dead rabbit hole at that point yeah if you remember the album cover it's like a yeah you know it's like a, a hand you know with like the strings coming out of the the arm or whatever. It's a fucked up cover. And it came out right after, excuse me, it came out right after Lane died too, so keep that in mind. Yeah, and that, that, um, at, for, at the time I thought it was about Lane, but um, I, I one of the guys that we've had on the show is Jeff Tamay, the, uh, the, the producer. And, oh, wow. And uh, he, uh, he never flat out said it, but he definitely talked about like how hard it was to work with Jerry at the time, which years earlier when you when you talk about Dave Jordan and stuff like that working on these first few records, that's not really the case. And by the way, by hard I mean it was yeah. like schedule things like that, um, not like yeah. as as a personality. Um, but uh, just and it seemed like there was this darker side of, of shit that was going on with Jerry personally uh, with addiction. What he, what he what he made yeah when he made that record, um, I guess from like I guess from like ninety eight to about oh three whatever that was kind of when that was sort of the bottom when he hit bottom. Yep. Um, I mean his his. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if I, I don't want to say what it, what it is, what it is, what it is drug is. I mean, ultimately, I, I, I heard it from about a dozen different sources what his problem was to the point where I felt comfortable doing it. But because what I ultimately decided was that because, you know, for some strange reason, he's never openly admitted or talked about his, he talked about his drug addiction, but doesn't say what the drug was. I don't know how you, how you, you, Rationalize how he do it, but every court I've ever seen of him talking about his his drug addiction, like even like at like the music cares, you know, ceremony where he got artist of the year, or whatever, he never talks about the drug. And so okay. you know, it ultimately, you know, he I don't know, that's how he feels about it. Ultimately I chose that to respect his privacy and not sort of, you know, out him or, you know, reveal this, but but uh but uh, you know that's ultimately kind of why I didn't mention that and mention the specifics of what what he was into at the time. But uh, I can respect that. But uh, 
Yeah, I mean, it's not like he was a politician or something like that, or being a Bible thumper <laughs> and hypocrite or whatever, you know. So I ultimately just sort of said, "All right, well, I'll, I'll let that one slide." <laughs> and, and this ain't so that kind of show. I'm never trying to get people to say something that's going to put them in a bad light or or things of that nature, you know. But. Um, one other story I really enjoyed was when Lane had to leave a video shoot to to go feed his cat. Yeah. <laughs> Have you ever seen that yeah. movie, uh, American Psycho? Yeah. You remember every time uh, the 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 uh, um uh, I can't remember the name. Not is it Patrick Bateman, uh, the main character? Christian Bale. Christian Bale. Yeah. Oh, Christian Bale. He has yeah, to return videos all the time. Got to return some video tapes. Oh God! I didn't remember that. No, but I. The funny thing is, you know, I I had just got when I when I when I was writing this book, I got I got a cat. I got my own cat. It was the first time I ever had a cat, right? Right. And so when I heard that, I started laughing my ass off because I was like, "Dude, there's no way." I mean, it's not like it's a dog <laughs> or something like that. Like a cat will sit there and feed itself and not give a shit. They'll just sleep around the house all day. You know? Yeah, I, I've so taken like, vacations without worrying about feeding my cat, but. <laughs> Yeah, so it's like if it's one of those things, I guess like anybody who was who was at that shoe was like, yeah, right. I'm sorry, guys. I have to go feed my cat. <laughs> it's like right yeah. now. <laughs> yeah, do you still have the cat? Is it still alive? That's fading. I think I was fading. That's the only cat I've ever seen, ever found out about him having had it. But it's like that's a thing. I, I don't know if he got it's. I don't know. He may have been thinking about. It. I don't know. Because like. I know he has Sadie ninety four. He had the cat ninety four. In fact, <laughs> no. I was book, asking you about your cat. You out. said you had just got oh, my cat. I'm sorry. No, 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 no. I I got my cat's like seven now, but I got him while I was while still working on this book. Yeah. Right? So you so, same cat though, so, right? Yeah. So it's still the same cat. Yeah. What's the name? But, no. But what's uh, my cat's name? Moscow. It's a Russian breed. It's called a mm-hmm. uh, Siberian. Oh, so wow. it's a Russian name. Hey, you yeah. didn't think we were going to talk so, about your cat this much, did you? No. I thought we were going to talk about Lane's cat. In fact, I was going to tell you about Lane's cat. No, um, yeah, we can talk about so, Lane's cat. Yeah. So did, so there is speculation that he might not have had a cat at the time, right? I'm Well, here's what I was able to – I couldn't definitively prove it or disprove it. But if you think about it, here's what I – here's what I know. By 94, when they finished – remember, 93 is the last year – they do major coloring with land, right? The end of the dirt cycle, right? 94, they do Jar of Flies. They do a couple of one-off shows. And then, you know, they're supposed to tour Metallica, and then they pull out, right? And then that's when the, sort of the band goes on hiatus on the end of Mad Season. And then a year later, in 95, they do the Dog album, right? Yeah. So for about a year and a half, two years, in the studio. So in 94, I know from his roommate and from a girl he was hanging out at the time, with that at the time that he had his cat, his cat, he had his cat, Sadie. In fact, one of the interesting things, months or years after my book came out, a friend of Wayne and Gundy's contacted me and she was the one that gave him the cat. <laughs> 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 it was funny, but it was a Russian blue Siamese mix. Um, so he got the, so he, he picked the girl and he named, he named it Sadie. Um, yeah. So anyway, long story short, so, Fast forward, all sorts. So fast forward. Um, so in '94, you know, he's he's living in this apartment in Queen Anne, in the Queen Anne neighborhood in Seattle, and that's when you know Johnny Bacolus moved in with him. Um, and uh, you know, 
So, you know, the band wasn't active. They weren't touring. He was sitting there, whatever. And, you know, in 92, you know, he's he's, he's doing this this, this shoot for wood. wood, It's the wood video. It's at a a club in Seattle called Under the Rail. It doesn't exist anymore. And so keep in mind at that point, like, they had gone up from, they were, I think, in the middle of a dirt, they were in the middle of a dirt session. And they went back to Seattle for like a week. So he could do his video shoot and take care of stuff over there. And then they had to go back to LA to, to finish the album, right? So, um, the, the point I'm trying to make here is, is that Alice was active at that time. They were recording, they were touring, whatever. And I don't know where, I think Lane had an apartment with Demi at that point, but I don't think, and keep in mind, Demi was touring with him sometimes as well. So I don't think there been a whole lot of time to take care of a cat. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, I can't 100% disprove it. All I'm telling you is that if you look at the events in his life in 92 versus 94, I, I don't, I just don't think he could have had a cat in 92 where he too busy working and touring. Oh yeah, and, and I I think as uh, two people who both own cats, we can both safely say he did not have to leave and, if, and feed his cat Within a certain emergency, no. so we we know the no, cat would have been okay if it waited a few hours a day or even two. Yeah, exactly. And as long as you leave, you know the the, the can of dry food and and the bowl of water out, they don't care. They'll, they'll them, so it's all like like a dog where they eat everything. And they leave <laughs> yeah, it, I know. You know. They leave the dish dry. You know what I mean? So. Yeah, it'd be hilarious if it turns out like he's been forgetting to feed his cat for like a week, and he actually had a valid point. It's like, fuck, what if it's dead? Well, that might have that might have actually happened because he was the one that was dead. <laughs> yeah, well, there's that. <laughs> um, yeah. um, well, let me let me ask you this now: Did you ever reach out to any of the members? Of, I guess at this point it would have been Jerry or Sean. Any of the members of the band to to be, you know, uh, as, I did. And how did that go? I, I, uh, I, I did. I reached out to them through several channels, through uh, their lawyer, their management, the publicist, and then ultimately uh, one of my sources, I got, I got, um, I got, gave me Susan Silver's traffic information. Uh, I went, I reached out through all four of them, and I never heard back. So I took that as a giant no comment. Are you aware of any comments they may have had about the book after it came out? Um, I'd rather not discuss that. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I... Nothing on the record, like they didn't uh, say anything about it in an interview or anything like that? No, I don't know. I I was was kind of expecting for an explosion or something like that. I I, I honestly don't, you know, no, I mean, no no official reaction. And, uh, you know, again, they they, they haven't, you know, they haven't contacted me and... I don't know. So it's, it's, uh, you know, well, you I didn't never, get sued, never, right? So it turns out you probably didn't nope. uh, publish any lies. Well, don't, yeah, well, you know, don't, you know, don't poke the bear, right? <laughs> well, I like, I, I flat out tell you, anybody who reads this book with an open mind and, and, and takes it for what it is, you do a great job of separating things you know. F- you know that 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 you were able to verify versus things that, like, there's some gray area here. You know what I mean? Yeah, and there's, and there was some stuff that we had to just either take out or either because it was, it was, it was, uh, you know, we took out because it just, I couldn't, you couldn't conclusively prove it or just, the, you know, the sourcing wasn't enough. Like 
like I had one source and they wanted like two or three or you know, whatever. I don't know. There was something yeah. that got taken out by by the lawyers in the editing process. But for the most part, it's all there. I mean, most of it's on the record, either attributed to a person or to a document, right? And the great thing, a lot of my source material was uh, was um, official, you know, government documents, you know, police court rec- police and court records, medical examiner's reports, you know, whatever I could get my hands on. Now, this is sort of journalism, media law 101, but the reason why journalists love these records is because you, if you... After a report, what is in a, an official government document, you cannot get sued for defamation or libel. So, <laughs> you know, the, so. Well, right. That's yeah, it's why, official. That well, makes sense. That's why journalists, and that's why, you know, journalists or lawyers love public records. So, and I made quite extensive use of, of those in the book. And, uh, you know, that's why my lawyers like, oh my God, this is one of the easiest edits I've ever had to do. Nice. We've got so many documents. <laughs> so. Well, let me get yeah. your opinion um, on, a, on a couple things. Do you think Dirt's a pro drug record because they got a lot of shit for it? Because you get a lot of shit for it, they get a lot of shit the, for it. When that record came out, they they're, I'm not talking now. I'm talking about like when the album came out. I recall there being a lot of kind of like blowback, like this is a basically a, a, a drug endorsement album. Um, I personally yeah. didn't take it that way. I'm just asking for your opinion on that. Yeah. Um, well, you know, you know, Lane, Lane, as there's a quote there, he said, you know, I, you know, I didn't want, you know, you know, I had bad fans come up to me saying, yeah, I tried heroin, you know, it was awesome. And that's exactly what I didn't want. You know what I mean? And so, you know, and that's, that's how he felt about it. Now, as far as the record goes, if you look at it, it's not a concept record, even though it feels and sounds like one. It's just sure. the whole thing. It feels kind of like, kind of like you know, even though Sergeant Pepper wasn't, there's no concept behind it. It's not like one that there's one sort of cohesive. Not even though great it's just comparison kind of over the place. But yeah, um, but like you listen to like them bones, you know, it's about death. You listen to, uh, you know, Ray Wanna Die, it's about death. <laughs> you listen to Down in a Hole. I think it was about Jerry's girlfriend at the time. You listen to, um, you know, Rooster. It's about Jerry's father in Vietnam. You know. Um, and then, but then you go, I guess in those days it was on cassette or, you know, vinyl now. But if you flip to the second side, that's, I guess, where the Wayne rehab songs come in, you know, Sick Man, Junkhead, Godsmack, all those. And they're played in this sequence of like four songs. Yeah. And that sort of overshadows the entire record, <laughs> which is already pretty freaking dark in and of itself. <laughs> so, oh, yeah, I mean, you're not wrong. No. It, it's, it's, so, you know, that's that, that second half of the record, and, you know, the culminates with Wood, um, even though Wood is not part of that cycle. It's, Wood was its own separate song written, you know, for the, for the singles uh, movie. But, um, you know, they were, you know, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a progression in the sense, you know, that, like, it starts out like, hey, this is awesome, to, oh, my God, I'm screwed. <laughs> you know, if you, if, you look at the, if you look at the lyrical progression of those four songs you know it's like yeah you know and there's a and there's a famous uh i think it was that famous line in, in, in hate to feel i think which would have been the last in the cycle um you know the words yeah he really where he realizes he made a mistake um and i'm just wondering if that's i don't know how wholly autobiographical it is but you know it's that that's that's sort of the cycle so it can be it's easy to see why how it got interpreted that way 
And it, to the point where Lane, the heroin use, the fact that he was he openly admitted it, he talked about it in interviews, overshadowed the rest of the band for the rest of his life. Yeah. So, I mean, it's easy to see how and why, you know, you can see how and why people come across, come off with that idea, you know, and it's kind of like, you know, it's kind of like when people, you know, give Taylor Swift all this crap about what, you know, ask her about her love life. I'm like, you know, and she's like, why do you even care? He's like, well, when you write all these songs, trashing your ex-boyfriends, I mean, I'm sorry, that's their game. It's your work. That's what you're talking about, you know? Same deal with Allison King, you know? And he started talking about, you know, write songs about heroin, and he starts talking about heroin in the press, and guess what? You know, and then he, and then he realizes <laughs> that, you know, everyone's asking about heroin, and so he stops talking to the press. And then, you know, more rumors start, you know what I mean? So it's kind of this, I don't know, sort of this vicious cycle between, you know, you know, I guess he, he thought he was being honest and maybe a little too honest for his own good, quite frankly. And then he didn't realize just how much of an impact it was going to have on the entire band. You know, just the, the Paul, it was, it was like there was this cloud in the band from yeah. that point on until until Wayne died. And even then, but even, and even then, because Mike died a couple of years later. Yeah. So it was, uh, you know, so thankfully, you know, Jerry and, and Sean are, are still with us and they're, and they're, and they, you know, we got rid of their bad habits, but, you know, I, you know, look at, look at all the stuff they had to go through to get there. Oh, yeah, no doubt. Um, the other thing I wanted your opinion on, um, as someone who wrote this book, do you think it's easier or, or, or harder to write a book without the, um, contributions of those that are directly involved, I guess, you know, like I basically, I'm talking about Jerry and Sean. Do you think it was easier to write this book without Allison Chains being part of the, the project? Um, well, I'll say this, I'm not, you know, journalists and historians do this all the time. I'm not the first one to do it either. Um, you know, I mean, one of my favorite books of all time is, uh, Killing Pablo by Mark Bowden. I don't know if you ever read it. Nope. It's a story of Pablo Escobar and the Colombian drug war. It came okay. out like 15, 20 years ago. It's like 200 something pages. It's very quick, but it's one of those books where, you know, before Marcos and before all that stuff came out, like that was the book to read, right? So, you know, again, he didn't have access to Pablo Escobar, but you know what? He went, he researched it, he probably got sources, and he wrote the hell of that story. And, uh, you know, again, no collaboration with no participation with the subject, right? Um, you know, how many books have been written about Jimi Hendrix? You know, <laughs> all of them, you know, he died 82. in 27. And, and uh, you know, you know, none of them were with his participation. So, I mean, it's, you know, you, you can get around it. It can be done. Uh, and so, I mean, I, I knew from, you know, I mean... I, well, you know, some artists, if they get too journal. involved, are going to kind of shape the story the way they want it. It's kind of what I was going on. Right, exactly. Um, well, yeah, then that's, then, that's, then that's the sort of the trade the balancing act you have to make because, you know, if you have if you get the access, sure, you know, that'll open a lot of doors for you. On the other hand, on, on the other hand, you know, depending on, you know, depending on what arrangement you have, you know, they may want some editorial control over it. And they want, and they may, they may water it down. They may, you know, because like, again, it's, you know, it's a difference between sort of an, you know, an investigative piece, an investigative book, or, you know, a book like, you know, press release. You know what I mean? 
Yeah. So it's it's one of those things where which is every you know, kiss I book ever written. Book be, <laughs> yeah, I want yeah, I want my book to be you know you know a gushy fanboy tribute. That's not what my book is. I didn't want it to be you know tabloid you know trash. I and mean, if you read the British tabloids, those people are ruthless. You know they they spare nothing. You know I didn't want it to be bad either. So you just sort of have to find this delicate sort of middle ground where. You know, you get the important issues of the story. You cover the darker elements to the, as best as you can without being exploitative. I mean, there were certainly some stories about, you know, the junky lifestyle that I, I wound up leaving out of a book just because they added nothing other than shock value, in my opinion. Okay. So I just left the Because it had nothing to do with the band. It's just, you know, stuff that you, you could see or read in any memoir or movie or documentary or whatever. It's... It's nothing, you know, it, it doesn't add any understanding or relevance to, you know, the broader Alice in Chains story. You know, what, what, what I tried to limit my focus, for example, was how was the drugs affecting your ability to function, right, as a unit, whether they were in the studio or on the road. That was absolutely fair game, in my opinion. And, uh, you know, and then also how was it affecting them personally, the internal dynamics, you know, friendships, families, business partnerships, all that, you know. But as far as this goes for, you know, a scene of, you know, Wayne or Mike shooting up just for the sake of putting it in there, no, it's not there. Hmm. Every 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 drug scene or reference is in there for a reason because it adds context or understanding to a broader point about what was going on in the band at that point. And, uh, you know, it adds to the understanding of the bigger story. That makes sense. Uh, absolutely, it makes sense. Uh, it it, it kind of hammers home a point that I, I I was trying to make early on that uh, basically I agree with everything you said and and my lord, you have been so generous with your time. Um, I would like to mention that the book is called Allison Chains: The Untold Story. Uh, it's not hard to find. People just go Google it; you'll find it. it the, the author I'm talking to, of course, is David Asola. David, thank you so much for sharing your stories of this. This was a this was a book that I needed, that's for sure. And 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 you delivered, and and you did it in a way that, that I don't know. People who listen to this interview are going to hear it too. You, you're you're pretty honest and open. You you admit like, well, maybe this did or didn't happen. I I kind of like that. How, how locked down is Georgia right now? Are, are most things open? Is it kind of like? Uh, can you report on that at all? Uh, I live in Atlanta. I live in like Midtown Atlanta, which is kind of like the equivalent of like Manhattan. Okay. So it's like, you know, a lot of highlights and things like that. I live it's near Georgia Tech. So it's, you know, it's a lot of, you know, educated people who, you know, who practice social distancing. They wear masks everywhere, you know, and, you know, for the most part, the people are really respectful about it. But like, you know, I haven't, I haven't, you know, I haven't seen anybody like, you know, like you see those videos on YouTube or whatever, people having, tantrums that like you know i haven't witnessed it either I, i've never really seen any rudeness with it personally it's unbelievable i haven't seen that yet i don't think it doesn't happen but but yeah but, but georgia has one of the highest rates of new covid cases in the country of any of, of, of any state yeah. so you know it's something that i do take seriously and you know you try to you try to uh, you know you try to you know take measures i mean i have a cousin who is still recovering from from her bout with COVID, and you know, bless her, she's she's doing okay. But I mean, she's she's uh you know she's thirty seven, thirty eight, and she has yeah. you know fibrosis and a collapsed lung. She's still recovering from, 
You know, it's not not, not it's nothing to mess with. Yeah. So it's it's not something I I I wish on anybody. And you know, I hope the, you know all those you know anti-mask lunatics out there who are you know preaching and saying it's you know freedom and whatever. I'm like, dude, you do not want to mess with this. <laughs> it is. It, it doesn't care about your politics. It is purely. It's all about you know biology, chemistry, and physics. That's it. <laughs> so yeah, you know, it's. Yeah, so don't get more of the story, you know, socially isolate, wear your mask, you know, wash your hands, you know, stay safe. I, I fully endorse your, your comments there. Uh, that's not what I was laughing at at all. Um, uh, switching gears a little bit, I wanted to mention one thing. For anybody that, it, and by the way, if you're a fan of Alice in Chains, you should absolutely get this book if you already haven't. But be be prepared. Uh, be prepared. Easy for me to say. Uh, have your Kindle, your laptop, or something handy. Because when I read this book, I was constantly bumping to YouTube to go catch up on something that you mentioned. And also, your website... Uh, if you if you you could mention the web address here quickly has a ton of uh, great uh, uh, just uh, YouTube clips of of different things with Allison Chains that people can check out that kind of adds to the enjoyment. Uh, it's David yeah. DavidDesola dot com. Is that right? That is correct. Yeah. So some of the a lot of the research I did was you know again God bless the internet. You know people yeah. <laughs> over the years have uploaded you know. TV performances and interviews and bootlegs and, you know, whatever. And so there's all the stuff that I, that I use and I cited as material and I mentioned it in my footnotes. And then, you know, that obviously a book, there's only so much you can do. I mean, you have to be like a super nerd to go back there and copy your best down and type it into a browser. So I figured it'd be easier if I just made a section on my website where I could just sort of dump all the stuff and people could just sort of start looking at, some of these videos, and I think if I remember correctly, some of the stuff that's in there is, uh, you know, like the Mike Starr last show with Allison Chain. Um, there's, there's, uh, I think there might be some videos of sleeves in there. Um, one of the most significant historical finds was uh, a bootleg audio recording of a, of a Alice in Chain show, the Wayne Glam band, um, in, in Tacoma in 1987. And Jerry Cantrell was in the crowd that night. So, I mean, what you're nice. really listening to this, even though it's not the best, not the best quality recording, but it's, it's what you're listening is what a young Jerry Cantrell heard the first time he saw and heard Wayne Stiller perform live. So keep that in mind. David, this could not have gone better. You know, these, these have all been really uh, gone good and been a lot of fun. Um, but, you know, we've never talked before, so you never really know what you're getting into. So yeah. I could not appreciate your time more. And, uh, and, and, and thank you for the content. No, thank you.
No, I'm always looking for that because that you, you you may not know, but there's a few Soundgarden records coming up here. So, uh, yeah, I, I would have, I would figure that's why I'm like, who are you talking <laughs> for Soundgarden, right? Yeah. Hey, we, you know what? It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points. 